You're listening to Creatives Prevail, unraveling the stories of creative professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creatives Prevail. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and my next guest is Kwebe Koti, founder of the Bushwick Film Festival. In this interview, we discuss how she made a career in film, starting with developing a film festival. We also discuss submitting to festivals such as Bushwick, their nonprofit initiatives, and the importance of diversification in the film industry. Let's get into it. Hi, Kwebe. How are you? Hi, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you being on the show. What's up, Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have we have an audience all like we have an audience, I think, nationally now or even internationally. So um, which I'm very happy about. I'm sure a lot of my friends like in Arizona are just like, yes, Mike, we love you. So we're just going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> I just got really excited when you said you were in Phoenix. So I was like, really? Shout out to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Arizona before? I have. I have. Um, was I in Phoenix? No, I was in, uh, I forgot what part of Arizona I was in, but I went there because my passport expired and I had to, I was going on a trip to South Korea and, and, and I didn't realize my passport was, was expired. And the only passport appointment I could get right away was in Arizona. Wow. <laughs> so I had to do a, like a one day trip to Arizona, but I had a really good time. I was able to like go to the desert. Um, I forgot what part of Arizona it was. You're probably one of the outskirt towns because I know that I just got my passport uh, done recently and it was like beyond expired. It was a long time since I traveled internationally. So I had to go and go through the whole entire process over again. Now, fortunately, I had some time, so I was able to find a courthouse that was in the Phoenix area. But if I wanted to be even quicker, I, I was just looking around. And sometimes some of the uh, cities that are just outside of the metro Phoenix area, you can get an appointment like within a couple of days or even a week. So that's probably what you what you experienced there. And, I remember uh, it, it was Tucson. It was Tucson. Okay. It was Tucson. <laughs> Okay, so it's not like total outskirts because Tucson <laughs> is a big city. So, but that's actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the only a passport appointment available, and I was like, "Oh wow. my god, my trip is in ten days." <laughs> wow! Oh wow! So that was real fast. It was very urgent. Very very urgent. Well, glad you were able to successfully get it. Were you out here? Do you remember what time of year you were out here? Yeah, it was. It was around. It was like September of twenty twenty two. Oh, wow. Okay. So recently, first yeah, of all. Yeah, like last year. <laughs> last year. And September is actually a wonderful time out here. So you came out of it like probably just as it started cooling down a little bit. So yeah, that, it was really nice. I went to the desert. Like I had, I had to wait six hours to get my passport. <laughs> so I spent like three hours in the desert. And wow. then I went to this restaurant that like Bill Clinton went to. And I had the, the, the same menu that he had. <laughs> it, it was kind of, it was like a ridiculous trip, but I, I had, I had, I enjoyed I enjoyed Tucson. It was really nice. Yeah, it's. I lived there for a few uh, for a number of months, so uh, I really enjoyed uh, living in Tucson. It's a great college town and great culture too down there. So, speaking of which, I want to talk to you about uh, what you have going on. So, let's start from the beginning. Like, how? Where did your passion for film come from? Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, like most people, I was just a film lover growing up, but also it was um a pastime that i had with my siblings when we first came from liberia to this to the states that was just something that we did and i don't know if it maybe you know how you like looking back your brain sort of get, tells you different stories but like for what i remember it this may or may not be true but <laughs> what i remember it was like our parents were working a lot like we didn't have that many activities so we just like watched movies all day and you know sort of loved movies and my brother specifically he was one of those people that when he saw a really good movie he kind of was like you need to watch this movie so I got that habit from him um but yeah I just grew up really loving movies really feeling moved and captured by the movie watching experience and by the stories that I had the opportunity to experience and and like uh the people I learned about, um, obviously growing up, it was mainly for just entertainment. But when I got to 
um, college when I got to NYU, fast forward, I was 18 and I remember getting exposed to independent films and that whole world. And I was just remember feeling like, oh my God, this is like a different, this is different. This is existential. Like what's happening here? You know? Um, and I remember watching The Clockwork Orange and like all the, all the like indie films that people already that like grew up in indie world probably already knew about, but I mm-hmm. was exposed to it a little bit later in my life. And so I got exposed to that world. And yeah, so that's kind of my backstory on like my my history and like love and for film and the movie watching experience that I share with my siblings and my family um, and how I sort of started to really love independent cinema when I moved to New York for college. So you when you mentioned about going to NYU, did you know at that point that, okay, I want to be in the film industry or were you still exploring what you wanted to do at that point in time? Yeah, no, I didn't. I had no clue that I was going to transition into film and the arts. I was an athlete. I played basketball and my idea for my life at that point was I was going to be like a professional basketball player. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> um, college level sports uh, came with its own challenges. I had a very challenging coach that um, I just didn't know how to really deal with. And I stopped playing basketball. And at that time, I was like, so lost. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what is this? I'm in, in New York and 9-11 happened. You know, it's just like so many things happening in New York. And I think it took a few years to find another thing that I can totally immerse myself in and like lose time and not really think I'm doing it. And it wasn't until my, I want to say, I think junior or senior year at NYU that I took a video art class. And in that class, I um, made my short first short film. It was such a ridiculous short film, but I had so much fun like doing the short film, like writing and then editing. And I remember I spent like three days in our editing lab like literally nonstop, like slept for like, you know, and I was just so immersed into this movie making experience that I said, oh my God, this is like, I really love this. Um, And also at that time, up until that moment, I didn't know that I could participate in the filmmaking uh, process. Like for me, and I think a lot of people, uh, films and all like it's the big screen is so far away and so distant and so like mysterious and you don't really think like, oh, I could I could participate in this process. So it wasn't until my junior year that I took that class that I was like, oh, I could I could participate. So that's kind of how I started participating in the film film industry process. But at that time I had I was already I think I was a senior, but I may have been a junior, but I was already at the end of my college life, you know, and and I was just like, OK, <laughs> how do I get into this industry? You know, I love it. This is something that I can do that I really love. Um, outside of sports, I found my the next thing. Um, it was very sad for me to give up uh, sports. So being able to really embrace arts and culture and film, I kind of latched on it. Like <laughs> I latched on it like my life depended on it, you know. So wow, that's amazing. And you know, it's, it's, I want to mention to before about you know how much I admire that you, you not only found a. a a new passion that's completely different from what you originally were going to college for. But you're right is that, you know, especially with film, it can be very intimidating because a film is it's, it's, a, it's usually a team effort. So there's just a lot of people that's involved. It's a very complex process to, to make a film in general, like just <laughs> let's, let's take quality out of the question, out of the equation for a second. And that it's just really hard to make a film. And I have, I have many friends um, some friends actually that do listen to this podcast who are filmmakers and, um, you know, and I've seen them go through the, the trials and tribulations of, of creating independent films. It's a lot. And it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of resources involved there, you know, it, it's, it's, it is a, a quite a bit of a process, but, um, be, like you said, it's, it's, um, you know, I find that I, I, I love film as well. So it's, it's always truly amazing to watch that all come together. Yeah, I agree. That's why I love about filmmaking too. It brings together so many different uh, areas of the arts in one place. You know, like if you love music, you love video, you love this, you love, you know, like you just kind of, this is it, you know, this is, and I, and I always 
still am so amazed at the credits at the end of any film. You know, like mm-hmm. every even if it's like a low budget five hundred dollar, like five thousand dollar film, there's still like so many people involved. You know, and I think that's what makes it pretty special. Um, the collaboration that it includes um, to bring a creative piece to life. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 definitely a team sport for sure. So talking about uh, team sports is that you uh, went into developing your own film festival, which I found really fascinating because usually you would go into film first as a career and then would develop a film festival around that because of the the network that you developed from that. But you did it in the reverse where you actually developed the film festival first, which is fantastic. So can you talk about where that idea came from and how that came about? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I, I attribute this to my 23-year-old brain who <laughs> who was had no idea of the challenges that came with starting something that was just like, yeah, I could do it. Like, let's go, you know? Um, when So after I, you know, I, as I mentioned, I took video art. It was towards the end of my college career. I was like, what do I do now? How do, how do I get into this industry? And I remember a friend of mine invited me to the Tribeca Film Festival. And I went to the festival and I had such a good time. And I saw the movie, then I saw the actor, then I saw the movie and the director, then I like every like then everybody that was a part of the film was at the festival. And I saw the, the celebrities. And I was like, wait, like the big screen is here. You know, like this is like it is in this festival. And I thought that was so fascinating to have my first experience with going beyond the boundary that I thought existed. I mean, it, it still kind of exists, but the, the magic of the festival, it sort of blurs. Uh, it allows people to um, enter the, the 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 filmmaking universe, you know, if just for a weekend or a week or a day, you know? And I think that's really cool. And so when I experienced that, I was like, wait, <laughs> like, this, like the festivals do that? And a friend of mine, Laurie Ross, a really good friend of mine, um, I, I, to be honest, I don't know exactly what the point, like when I was like, I want to start a festival. But I just remember when I did have that idea, I was like, oh, I need to reach out to my friends to see if anybody can help me or anybody would be interested. Um, So it was like, originally, it was like just a very basic passion and love for films, but also forcing people to see the films that I liked, right? Like, I was like, I love this film. You need to see it. You know, like, you know, my brother, like, syndrome. Um, so I was like, I really loved sharing films that I liked with people. And I also really like this festival experience that I had that, like, you know, blurred the lines between the big screen and, like, just day to day. But then I also don't know how that, how I'm going to get into the film industry. Like, like, what, like, how, how does this work, you know? And, and just, I knew that um, starting a festival would give me the opportunity to do outreach, like outreach with film people, like connect with filmmakers, um, also a chance to do service. And to be honest, that was, I didn't think in my mind back then, like I'm doing service, you know, <laughs> like I am sort of support, supporting filmmakers and doing service. I just was like, oh, I get to connect with filmmakers and hang out with them. Yes. You know, like <laughs> check. Um, so it was like threefold at that point. It was like, like I said, the love of showing people films that I like so they could share, hopefully share in that experience um that moving experience uh the excitement of a festival that sort of you know allows the moviegoer to meet the director meet the actors meet the writers and get more of a behind the scenes like experience um and then i just really wanted to get into the film industry and learn more and hang out with filmmakers and hang out with directors because i thought they were like rock stars um, and so that was sort of the origin of the idea. And when I called my friend, specifically Larie Ross, and I was like, I want to start this festival. Like, what do we do? Nobody knew what to do. We kind of just knew the basic structure of a festival, right? You need a films, you need a venue. Um, that's basically it, right? You need films and you need a venue, right? And so and you need to market, you need to like, you know, 
Yeah, to promote uh, again, the word out there. Yeah, for- promote. And, yep. So we did that. You know, we met up in the park, Williamsburg's park, Williamsburg, McCarran Park. Um, we had flyers, we had a boombox, we had our bikes, uh, and we just sort of put flyers around the neighborhood. And uh, we put flyers around the neighborhood. And social media did not exist. <laughs> Let, I repeat, social media did not exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to say, maybe MySpace existed at that time. That what, most what, likely, er, what year was this, if you don't mind me? This asking. was 2007. Okay, so this is like the early days of social Oh, wait, media. was it 2007? What, what, what was 16 years ago? Was that 2007? Um, yeah, that was 2007. Yep. Okay, so this was 2007. So MySpace existed. And MySpace and Facebook existed, but that was yeah. for the most part about like YouTube started becoming yeah. a like a thing. But a thing, really. yeah, yeah. What yeah. was face? Was Facebook still open to non-college students at that time? I'm not too sure. I don't think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was still just college college students. Yeah. yeah. So I remember we put up a MySpace page. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that but was like, a thing. For right? the most part, there was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. There was no TikTok. There was no none of that. So we did like old school, we put flyers out and people had to mail their submissions in. And I just remember the first day, it was obviously mailing it to my house, to my apartment in Bushwick. I remember the first day opening the mail and receiving a package, a DVD, (laughs) a DVD package. Actually, no, it was a mini DV, a tape, a little mini DV. We accepted mini DVs and DVDs in the mail. And it was like Bushwick Film Festival submissions. And I was like, oh. Oh my God, we have a film submission. <laughs> so that was the beginning. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so yeah, I w- so talk about the itself. Can you talk about more about the Bushwick Film Festival and what that fe- what the festival yeah. is about? Yeah. So the Bushwick Film Festival is an independent film festival uh set in Brooklyn, um, in a, a part of Brooklyn called Bushwick. And um we have been uh operating for 16 years. Um we we you know we just love you know film and cinema but we also after a few years and me as a founder sort of growing um we also support and celebrate diverse voices we are a film festival for new fresh emerging voices but also diverse voices and we've always created a community a um that was it was never like we never it wasn't like we tried like it wasn't like you know we forced anything it was just the culture that we created that welcomed people from all walks of life so if you go to a, to the Bushwick Film Festival you'll literally see a really good mix of people from all different places different races different ages that sounded like a freestyle so maybe I keep going I'm just kidding <laughs> um, so it's just like it's just such a, a, a incredible culture that you get to experience but also it's in Bushwick and Bushwick you so I, I mean I'm not I don't have any you know I don't take the credit for making Bushwick the incredible community that it is today you know it has a, a incredible mix of uh, immigrants and artists and working class and, you know, all sorts of levels of, um, you know, working people. And the art scene is like amazing. Um, the energy and all that, like, so it was just like a really good, it's just like a really good place to visit, you know? And also on top of that, the film festival, um, sort of also has been able to take in that energy, take that energy and create a really unique culture, uh, like I said, that welcomes people from all walks of life. Um, and that also shows in our programming as well, you know. So we started as a small festival, as I told you. We had one we had one, one screening venue, which was an art space called Third Ward um, that doesn't exist in Bushwick anymore, but the space is still there. Uh, we had one venue, one night, uh, and then like 100 people showed up. We maybe screened like 30 like super indie mo- like super indie movies. And it was great. It was such a great time just to feel like, oh wow, like we literally just announced that we we're gonna have a festival in July. It's September or whatever month it was back then. And we have the films, we have the people, we have the energy. It's happening, you know? And so fast forward, um, 16 years. <laughs> Obviously, a lot has changed, a lot has happened. We 
grown a lot. Most of the people that used to work here don't work here anymore. Bushwick has changed. Uh, you know, we've experienced a lot of gentrification. The demographics of Bushwick has changed um, for the better or worse, depending on who you talk to. Um, and the festival just keeps growing and it's growing with the community. Um, I have been really uh, did my best when I, I think seven or eight years into the festival, I really understood my role as a woman of color, um, as an immigrant, as how powerful that could be for people that look like me, but also just to um, how powerful it is just to be a part of adding diversity into the picture, you know, as you look at our actual world and how vibrant it is. Um, I took that, I started to take that a little bit more seriously. And so I joined the community board. I got a little bit more active with our local elected officials and stakeholders. And, and I think that's also a part of the reason why we have been able to maintain our authenticity, authenticity in different ways. Um, so today uh, we have, um, we normally screen about a hundred this year, let me just say this year, this year we're screening about 125 films from all over, mainly in New York city. 50% of our films are from New York city. 20% wow. of them are across the U S and then we have 20% international. Um, our program has downsized uh, a little bit since the pandemic. Our program was a, a, like larger before the pandemic, but right now, our program consists of 125 films. We have 30 plus screenings and about five special events, including a movie industry conference that um, we usually have really good speakers um, from, you know, top studios and and networks. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a really good time. And we, we're still growing post pandemic. We're still sort of adjusting to all the changes we need to, we needed to make in 2020. And still trying to find shape we're still trying to shape the festival in it's like post-covid iteration and like what that looks like basically absolutely and you know also i want to give you a lot of credit for for having this festival continue for over 16 years now that is a major major accomplishment so congratulations on that fact because it's, it's it's very very challenging to keep something like this going especially in because you know everyone was impacted by the pandemic and it was very challenging to especially when you're when you were doing something that was in person and then all of a sudden everything got overturned you know it's very challenging to to keep that momentum going again once everything opened back up so you know kudos to you and the rest of your team for keeping keeping that momentum going Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you know, it was a crazy time and uh, especially for live events mm -hmm. when it comes to like businesses, of course, it was a crazy time for other reasons, but live events got impacted a lot. Um, and yeah, it was hard. It was, uh, but it was also rewarding. Like we, we learned how to produce an online event, <laughs> you know, like we learned how to live stream our opening night. We put together, we worked with a company a streaming platform we streamed all of our films so it expanded us in a lot of ways and it also made me made us realize like a lot of people what wasn't necessary anymore what the things that just didn't make any more sense like things that we needed to get rid of uh you know so it, it was helpful in that way um and also we you know thanks to like a lot of the new york city grants and COVID grants and Grants for women of color that came out of uh, that era with George Floyd, you know, like I was the recipient of a, a few of them that really helped support the festival and get it through that, like get it through 2020 and 2021. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of challenges, but there were a lot of, there was a lot of opportunity for growth. Absolutely. And I, speaking of growth, I did want to talk about the fact that the festival became a nonprofit. Yes. Uh, that was uh, when, when did that happen? Um, we became a nonprofit last year. Oh, last year. wow, congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, it has opened so many more funding opportunities. Um, so yeah, so now the festival is a 501c3, and we already ran a lot of programs. Um, and just a little backstory uh, we had an institute that was a nonprofit, and we did a lot of programs with the Institute as well, but we didn't have enough history of work as we have with the festival. So I talked to my team and the board and it made sense for us to transition the festival into a nonprofit. 
and mainly to support our biggest vision um, that has not been yet realized. And it sounds very uncomfortable for me to say this, but we do not have property in Bushwick and we don't have a screening venue. And like a lot of like smaller organizations, we're still, we have still been, you know, working out of co-working spaces, renting stuff, which is so expensive, rent, renting theaters. Um, so we've just been kind of operating like that, you know, for a very long time. And so transitioning the festival into the nonprofit, we have, we have been able to have more conversations about, uh, you know, capacity grants, um, about, you know, um, property in Bushwick that developers can, um, work with nonprofits to sort of build. So we've started to have those conversations and that is the, that, that vision would be the one thing that would make me feel like, okay, I've done my job. The festival is thriving. <laughs> like it's for the next generation. I could let you know, like I have served my community, you know? Um, so that is the goal. That's our next, I want to say two to three year old goal, two to three year old, two to three year plan <laughs> for, to really have roots in the community. And, um, yeah, it's interesting to think about it that way because as communities like Bushwick change and grow, um, a lot of people like me um, and a lot of people that are working class and underrepresented have a really, ch a lot of, like a big challenge to creating roots, you know, <laughs> and not being able to have the resources to create those roots to stay. And you know, everybody's impacted in different levels and it means something different from, for everybody, for, for different people. Um, and it's a challenge. And I really hope that uh, I could, you know, work with my team and community and we can rally together. We can really um, have the opportunity moving forward to like have our own screening space because we're spending the money anyway. <laughs> we're spending the money that it costs, right. but we're renting, you know. Um, so that's the goal. And that's the that was the major reason that we decided to uh, turn it into a nonprofit. Can you talk more about the programs that the film festival offers? Yeah. Um, our yes. So we, depending on how much we raise and what our budget is for the year and who our partners are year by year, we have a variety of programs. And there's two that are pretty, or there's one that is. Um, the one that we try our best to keep going is our youth filmmaking program. And that program started with a partnership with BNH Photos and uh, also their partners, Canon. And it was an incredible launch where um, the program is basically for a couple months, we um, we worked with young people in the, in the Bushwick, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn area between the ages of 18 and 24. So like recent grads, um, recent grads or young people that are about to graduate that are really interested in getting into filmmaking and learning the craft, but don't really have access to um, that pathway. Uh, one thing that I talk about a lot is like when the industry does generate a lot for New York City, but a lot of communities um, like Bushwick or underrepresented, underserved communities don't really have a lot of arts and AV programs for filmmakers. So someone like me who grew up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, and didn't even realize I could participate in filmmaking until I got to college, you know, like, so we don't, you know, people that aren't exposed to the process at an early age, um, don't really think that they could be a part of the process. So I said, all that to say is our youth filmmaking program is uh, just a small little attempt to expose young people to the process of filmmaking um, and give them some tools and sort of just spark interest. You know, like it's it's not a program. It's not, uh, it hasn't yet turned into a job ready program. It's just more, it's it started just to like spark the possibility. And that's what was sparked in me. Like sparking the possibility obviously has gone a long way, you know, like, um, so we're trying to spark possibility. We definitely want to develop it into a, a longer term program. Um, so that's one program. Um, we've done some international collaborations. We've done a Women's Peace Film Festival with the Accountability Lab and the United Nations in West Africa, specifically in Liberia, where I'm from. Um, and today is an election there. 
Um, we've done a uh, woman, um, what do we call that program? Uh, I forgot what we call the program. I forgot the actual like clever title, but we have a program specifically for uh, women directors uh, and we sort of help them, you know, create documentaries and storytell and things like that. And we started that program um, in partnership with, actually we started the program because we did a campaign with Pop Sugar and Delta Airlines. And then we were like, okay, we have this momentum, let's keep it going. And then we also have public screenings, you know, free events that we try to produce uh, throughout the year. And so those are three flagship sort of programs, you know, um, that we, depending on who our partners are and our budget for the year, we, we try to keep going. Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention this one last program. We, which we're in de developing at the moment. Um, we've been trying to develop it for like the past two years. <laughs> it's a long process. So we're working where we've been in conversation with the, um, Department of Corrections, the New York City Department of Corrections, to uh, create a screenplay writing uh, program for incarcerated people um, so they have access to storytelling. And it's just a really exciting process. It's a really long process to try to put together curriculum that makes sense, but also all the all the back and forth that that it entails. Um, but we're really excited. I'm super excited about this program and super excited to get it launched because that's outside of the festival. That's one of the things, the advocacy that I try to get involved with. There's two things, prison reform and immigration reform. So those are the two things that I really care a lot about and being able to have our, you know, nonprofit or festival uh, be um, a tool I could use to support uh, voices, all voices, all underrepresented voices. It, it feels really special to me. I would want to talk about that too, that uh, I noticed that, you know, within the interview itself and also doing my research into you, that, you know, diversification is very, very important to you. So can you talk a little bit more about on that front? Because you've also have done a number of speaking engagements on that, on that front, specifically with diversification in the film industry. Yes, yes, I have, I have, I, I have. I try my best to advocate as much as I can. Um, so yeah, I've done. A, I did a TEDx talk about the lack of diversity in Hollywood and how, and yeah, about the lack of diversity in Hollywood and how you know there are a lot of things that need to change about the industry. Um, and since twenty twenty one, sorry, since twenty twenty, a lot has changed. A lot, a lot has changed for the better. There's a lot of diversity in front of the camera. There's a lot of programs, a lot of grants, a lot of like production companies and organizations owned by people of color that have gotten really good deals and, um, and, and financing. So I think as an audience, we can see the change on the screen and it's clear and we see it, um, you know, we see a large percentage of change, but when you, what I think right now is a really important thing to keep looking at and keep like pulling back the curtain is the executive level of change that needs to happen. And I think that itself is the most powerful, you know, uh, I feel like when an organization really is committed to change, it's committed to changing the, the, the structure, um, or the diversity of their executive level, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, how long, each organization takes it's I think it's based on how committed they are to or how much they believe it's necessary um I personally think obviously that uh our world itself is so diverse that it just you know it's like the math is a math thing you know um with so many like 40 50 percent of people who identify as people of color in the U.S. and they're still um you know, 90, 91% of the C-suite executives are uh, white men and, you know, not, and and not to say like, you know, I'm just saying, you know, so those percentages are still quite off. You know, I, if you still look at the executive team on companies' websites and industry, or like you pull back the curtain, you still see behind the curtain, that is where the real work needs to start happening or 
needs to continue. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I feel at the moment. The above the line still needs um, some shaking up, you know, and how that happens or how long it's going to take it. I think it has to do with um, the people on the ground that are fighting, you know, like the recent WGA strike and uh, SAG strike. And it has to do with the people at the top, too. You know, I feel like every everybody has to be a part of this. Like, it's I don't think it's going to be one side that's going to fix everything. I feel like every side has to come together for the change to be successful and sustainable at the same time. Absolutely. And we need uh, organizations like yourself and specifically the film festival that is bringing more awareness to those that are normally uh, don't have the opportunity to have that attention for the work that they're doing. And also the programs, as you mentioned, especially the youth program, you know, having, you know, giving that is, is, is giving, uh, you know, students, young students, the access to be able to understand the knowledge and, and have the resources available to make a film and realize that, any, you know, these things are possible. You never know where that's going to lead in their journey later in life. So that's why it's so important for the work that you are doing. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you never know where it's going to lead. And I think I, I, I'm a huge, yeah, I love possibilities. I like I feel like possibility in itself needs, you know, I I wish more people felt like they had more possibilities, whether or not they decide to go down the path. That's a different story. But um, having, having the feeling that you only have one choice as opposed to having 20 choices makes all the difference for someone's life, but also makes a difference for their self-esteem and their, all, all the things, confidence, you know. Um, so, yeah. So I do want to talk about the festival itself a little bit more. So yeah. as far as the, where is that now, what kind of genres of films do you usually uh, accept for submissions at this point in time? Is it, you know, various different genres? Like, you know, just for, for, for filmmakers that are listening right now, of course, they are looking at, well, how do I get into the, you know, festival yeah. they're looking for? So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, happy to talk about a little bit more program. I'm I'm still pretty involved in the programming process. Um, so we we accept all genres. Um, you know, shorts, narratives, documentaries, uh, in all genres, horror, coming of age, you know, thrillers, all those things. Uh, the only thing we don't accept are music videos. And when we first started, we we used to accept music videos because we used to have like a lot of parties and it was like parties and, you know, was part of the festival's brand. Um, but that's the only thing we don't accept at the moment, music videos. And we don't really have a lot of art house um, submissions. Um, so we used to have, like when we first started, we were like super indie, you know. Um, but right now, our festival... The, the 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 level of films that we get and receive most of the films that are ac accepted you know they're from you know most of our features are like second time feature directors the shorts are incredible like high production quality uh, also good story as well but like you know we do pay attention to the production quality and um so in terms of how our program is made every year i think we mentioned it a little bit when we were offline uh we have a theme but our theme doesn't is like we don't accept films based on our theme like the theme also just always organically fits with <laughs> we all organically try to find a way to make the theme fit and the theme is i mean mainly it comes from me <laughs> like it mainly comes from me and i i work with my creative director who is raw Crawford, who's an incredible uh, artist. Um, and, uh, it usually just has to do with the zeitgeist of what, what, what I, what we're feeling, what I'm feeling with the community. I feel this feeling what's happening. I'm like, what's happening, you know? So this year, our theme is coming of age. And obviously it's kind of easy to fill different types of films in that, that category. Uh, but the idea behind that was, um, Oh, because we're turning we're turning sixteen, so teenager, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, sweet sixteen, uh, sweet sixteens usually symbolize a phase in someone's life. They're like transitioning, right? They have more independence. They have a moment that sort of changes their understanding of who they are and 
they're kind of getting older, like awkward, like next chapter. So we sort of played on that and wanted to make that like, like that what we wanted to make that our festival theme, but we expanded it obviously um, because these pivotal moments um, don't only happen at 16, right? So the symbol, the symbol of the sweet 16, which is like coming of age, having a moment in your life that sort of changes you or changes your outlook or symbolizes the next next chapter of you of who you are happens in every stage right whether you're 16 or 40 or 70 there's always a transition um so that that's our theme for this year and so what we did was um we mainly do it with the short films because you know we do short film blocks uh so what we did was use that expanded version of what a sweet 16 symbolizes and created short blocks like being and belonging. We do have a, a specifically coming of age New York stories. We do have like uh, New York in transit stories where like the character is transitioning from one place in uh, to the next, whether it's physically or, you know, spiritually or whatever. Uh, we do have blocks like this. Um, what is it called? It's called... Uh, we have like a control block that talks about characters who think they have everything under control, but it's like clear that they don't, right? So we so we sort of created blocks that symbol like that fits in with this like things are changing, you know, <laughs> like everything is different, you know, um, sort of uh, zeitgeist. And for the features, um, we you know the features kind of we we have a lot of coming of age doc, uh, films. One particular film I wanna flag is um this film called bittersweet rain and it's from brazil and it's so beautiful it's about this young boy um i believe he might be 15 14 maybe even 16 i don't know i have to look into that um but it's a beautiful story about um this young boy it's like a family story he has this really special relationship with his brother but in the beginning of the film, we find out that he is ex gonna he's gonna start experience uh, start experiencing blindness. So it's his the whole film is his experience before the blindness and how he's you know dealing with that. But he's still like having that you know young boy experience. You know he's falling in love. He's like riding bikes with his brother. He's doing ridiculous dance. You know it's just so pretty so beautiful um and it's in brazil you know it's just so nice um so that that is actually a coming of age story you know uh so we have that we have a film set in south korea we have a film in india we have some really funny new york features so yeah so we shape our program and and i always say this like the heart of like we don't have any like we're looking for programs with this that it really is what is what moves our programmers if I'm watching a film that I feel moved by, whether I'm like laughing out loud or crying or feeling like oh, this is different, you know, like whatever our programmers are moved by, that's what ultimately ends up uh, uh, getting into the festival or has a chance of getting to the festival because obviously everything can get into the festival. Um, so that's basically it. Like we, I tell my programmers every year, like, do you love this film? <laughs> is this, do you love this film? Like why? Um, and Unfortunately, everything that we're moved by and love can't make it into the festival because we literally only have, you know, uh, two screening rooms uh, at the theater and only like 30 screening slots in general. So we can only accept, and that's the painful part, right? That we're like, darn it. Like there's so many good films, but we only have this amount of space. Um, so yeah, so that, that that's, uh, I guess, a, I think a five to 10 minute overview of how we, how we do our programming. Well, that's, and that's very insightful too, right? Cause every vessel has their different way of, of going through their vetting process. And so, yeah. you know, I know being on the opposite side when doing any kind of submissions, whether it's uh film, sometimes it's music videos, but it's like, you know, when we're going through that process, we're always curious about, okay, well, what, you know, what's the other end like, right? Like what, what are they looking for? What is that process like? Because I'm a very, always a very big believer in two, two things. One is, try not to waste anybody's time. So making sure that I do my due diligence and that if I'm making a submission that I feel like it's an appropriate submission to make. And second, 
is understanding the process so that making the other person's job as easy as possible. Mm. Because the more likely that you can make the other person's job easier, they're more likely they're going to select you. Obviously, they have to be, you know, uh, enjoy or appreciate the work that you've done. But it does help to to know, okay, yeah, we have this, this, and this. Everything that you asked for is here. It's nice. It's all formatted properly. It's all named <laughs> properly. Everything is in that you need to, so that this way you can make the decision solely based upon the craft and not how I submitted it. Yeah, yeah. And I think a good tip that I always I actually have a um, how to navigate. Um, Oh, sorry. U.S. Film Festival Strategies. I have a a class that I that I teach, um, and I started teaching it when I partnered with the Bolivia Lab, that, and that's how I got Bittersweet Rain because our partnership with the Bolivia Lab, which are their goal is to have more South American stories um, expand like globally. Uh, but the one thing that I always share with short filmmakers specifically is. Whether or not your film is 10 minutes or 20 minutes actually probably will, could be the deciding factor. Not the art, not the craft, not how amazing it is. But the, for example, this year we had literally 30 minutes of programming left. We were like, there's only 30 minutes like in this block, like that we have left of programming space. Like how, who can we put in, like, what can we do? There's, there's 50 more shorts that we really love, but now we only have 30 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And if a film is 10 minutes and it's really great and the film is 20 minutes and it's also really great, we most likely would go with the 10 minute one, you know? Mm. So that is another, that's more like a technical thing that I try to say, like, unless your short film is phenomenal, you know, like just phenomenal. But if you can find, if you, you know, if you're making a short film and you're, if your goal is to have more opportunity for festival screenings and runnings, you know, if that is that if that's your goal, then I always say consider the time, consider the time. You know, but if your goal is to really make just like a masterpiece that you really just like you just want to do, like it needs to be that time, then that's you know that's obviously do that. You know, but um, I feel like I always want to mention that as like a technical little thing that could help expand more yeses in in the the festival submission world. I do want to make sure I'm uh, respectful of your time. So I, I do want to definitely wrap things up here in a minute. But I do want to mention that you originally sought out this goal to help build yourself for your passion for film and to get into film yourself. And for what I understand, that 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 was a success that you've now you're now a writer and producer yourself now. I am. And I just want to adjust that comment a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I started the festival because I love films and and also uh, I like sharing stories that I like with other people. But there was a part of me that that also wanted to make films and be in the industry and running the festival for the last when I started writing, producing was uh, about two years ago. So running the festival for 14 years, I it, it was kind of like going to film school for me, you know, just learning so much from filmmakers and storytelling and meeting people and just being a part of the industry. Um, I just learned so much. And so that gave me the confidence to really step into my, my, um, my passion of making films. And so two years ago, I moved to Los Angeles. So that's where I live currently. Um, and I launched a production company and obviously the smartest thing for me to do was to source content from Bushwick Film Festival alumni. So that is how I was like, okay, how do I get into this massive LA studio, like industry world? So it was kind of like my 23 year old brain, again, thinking like, what is the best way in here? You know, at this point, we have approximately a thousand filmmakers whose film that we screened at the Bushwick Film Festival. And a few of them screened their films 15 years ago. So today, there a lot of them today are doing incredible work. Uh, a lot of them have distribution deals. A lot of them have already been nominated for Oscars. A lot of them have network shows. So it's just a really creative, um, smart pool of people to be connected to. So it just made sense for me um, to continue the community. And I really believe in growing communities 
Um, so what I did was, you know, in a little shy way, I emailed all of them <laughs> and I said, Hey everybody, you know, I'm moving to LA. I'm launching a production company and I'd love to um, start with producing work from the Bushwick Film Festival alumni. If you have any work, please send it my way. I'd love to take care, take a look at it. And I got so many emails. I got over a hundred responses with over a hundred scripts. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I, I was like so overwhelmed with gratitude that, you know, such a large proportion of the festival alumni trusted me enough to send me their um, script with the possibility of working with me. So that's how I started. And so today I'm producing five projects. Um, four of them are from BFF alumni. Uh, one of them is my own uh, as a writer. And I'm just so excited about them. They're all different types of stories. One is a supernatural Western based in Montana. One is a TV procedural, um, you know, uh, set in the hedge fund finance world in New York, similar to like succession and industry um, with a female, like a, a super fierce uh, female protagonist um, that we'd love to be uh, first in Indian American because the writer is Indian American. Um, and another one is a, um, a music drama based in Memphis, Tennessee, of starring David Allen Greer about a, you know, washed up soul musician who has to like face his past and like reconnect with his, the song that the, like the famous song that he like walked away from. Um, and I have a documentary that is set in Northeast India about an endangered species called the Hulakabans and this uh, community that is taking care of them and advocating for them. Uh, but in the backdrop, there's an oil company who is building a lot of oil rigs and one of them exploded. And so it's impacting not only the wildlife, but the the day-to-day -day lives of the community. And then my project <laughs> is set in Brooklyn and West Africa. It is a um, coming of age. Um, it's a coming, I, I, I describe it as a coming of age um sci-fi family drama Ooh, that's uh, interesting. And, and it is about an astronomer who is experiencing a major life event and it's a major life event is throwing her life off course and she goes she decides to go back to west africa to reconnect with her um grandmother who was also an astronomer to get some clarity on like the past and the future so it's very exciting for me uh, just because of the, I've just always been really fascinated with physics and like the night sky and, and like, you know, all the things. Um, so yeah, so I'm just, just really grateful to be in this next phase and also be able to support the festival in a, in, in a sense of being, it being a pipeline for emerging filmmakers. And I can further ex extend my support, not only as a festival capacity, but also as a producer. Um, because being a producer and being a festival producer is the same, a thousand hats that you need to, like all the logistics are all the same thing and all the raising money skills that I have, <laughs> that I've able to, I've been able to cultivate over the years, um, goes into like raising money for films. Um, so that's my little, uh, next, next chapter story post Bushwick Film Festival. That's incredible. Well, congratulations on that as well. That's, that's absolutely amazing. So we'll wrap it up here. I do have a couple of fun questions that I intentionally did not tell you ahead of time. You did ask me not to ask you your favorite film. <laughs> but okay. what film have you watched the most times? Oh my God. What film have I watched the most times? Or it could be a film that you've watched the most times. It may not I be. Have to, there's, there's. There are two films that just like automatically popped in my head, which are pretty funny. Michael Jackson, Moonwalker. Okay. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Because we used to watch it literally every week at home when I was growing up. Wow. Um, This is very random. Love Actually. 
<laughs> okay. Wow. I that watched was... it. I watched it over and over with one of my sister friends, uh, Diara Kilpatrick, who's also in the film industry in college. We used to just watch it every weekend. Like who? Like why? <laughs> we just we used to watch it all the time. Um, and another show that I used to watch over and over growing, I don't really watch shows, movies over and over anymore in my adult life for some reason. It was more like in my college, high school, younger years, that's when I used to like repeat a lot of stuff. Um, so all of these films are like from before. <laughs> um, what film, another film I, I might want to mention is I can't think of another film that not, not, nothing else like just jumped in my forehead. That's okay. Uh, but Those are two there great is a places. show, the, the the TV show that I watch the most is Law and Order. <laughs> okay. Like I, was, I watched that on repeat. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you if there was a, like a, a television show that you quote the most from. So a I, quote, I quote the most from um, a TV show that I quote the most from. Uh, Uh, no, I can't think of I can't think of a TV show that I quote the most from. Um, I mean, I used to no, I can't think of a show. I mean, I used to watch Martin a lot, like the okay. show, TV show Martin. Mm -hmm. like, I used to watch that a lot in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Those were the a oh, French Prince is good. Yeah, Fresh, oh. Fresh Prince, Martin, um, Family Matters, Full House, like all the like very cheesy. I don't even know if it was the 80s. I don't know what year that was, but or 80s, like, 90s. Well, yeah. 80s slash 90s there. But I can't I can't remember a, a show that I quote it quote the most. So I only have one more question for you, and then we can wrap this up here. If you were only to be able to give one piece of advice to someone who wants to get into the film industry, what would that one piece of advice be? Someone that wants to get into the film industry that's not in the film industry already, right? Yeah, we can put it that way. Okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> However you want to answer that question. Um, I would say the thing that's most helpful for me today as someone that's in the industry is... Um, I don't want to sound too cheesy. Um, like, I think what helps me the most is a understanding that it's for me, my experience and like some experience that of people that I know, it's not an overnight, um, it's not an overnight story. Like it's, um, uh, it's a commitment. It's like, you know, a life for me, a lifelong commitment. And, um, once I started putting like the greater the greater good the greater good like in my mind like and sort of taking myself out of it like for example if I'm, if I'm on set for a project we're all there for the project to be successful not for Quebe to be successful you know like we're there for the project and how could I support my team how could I be of service so as a new creator or somebody's trying to get into the industry I would think of it as a like like if you can Sit, spend some time asking yourself why do you want to be in the industry um and are you willing to uh are you willing to you know step aside yourself and like support the the creative goal of the project or the artist or whatever um i feel like i might want to change that answer uh but if you are the artist or the writer or the producer or whatever I think it goes a long way to lead with compassion and um, and collaboration in mind. You know, to me, I, I like in, in from my experience has been if if there's someone on set that's a hard worker and that is um, you know really passionate and really just like there to 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 help and be of service and to like collaborate really well. That person goes such a long way, and I think that's. Uh, just an easy thing to keep in mind once you're trying to like navigate. I kind of always tell people to run with their pack, like in a sense, like if you are getting in the industry with someone that is, you know, you're both at the same place, 
I found that just nurturing your existing relationships and growing together is the has been the best strategy that has been for me, but also for people that I see, you know, like trying to just like jump up has always, I feel like been a challenge for people. And once you grow with your peers in five to 10 years, you guys are going to be at the top anyway, you know? So that's one thing that I'd like new people coming in the industry to think about. And that's something that has helped me too, just like nurturing my relationships and growing together. So couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talking with, with us today. Um, really do appreciate it. And congratulations again, 16 years. Um, you know, so and you have you have the festival coming up so short, uh, very shortly here. So uh, thank you so, so much again for your time and uh, for talking with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be on this podcast that is in Arizona. <laughs> I love, <laughs> no, I just love it. I love that there is opportunity to like, you know, connect with people outside of New York, you know, or outside of LA. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Creatives Prevail. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave us a review. They are an immense help. Now go out there and make something happen.